Broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University, it's 88.7 WLUW, Chicago Sound Alliance. With the fourth pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Chicago Bulls select Patrick Williams from Florida State University. Thank you for joining me every Sunday morning at 11 here on 88.7 FM WLUW. Got an hour uninterrupted of your favorite small town kid. Go to the Loyola Phoenix, Nick Schultz. I know Sister Jean pretty well. I think he's the sports editor there. He is. Right? He's a sports he's editor. Yeah. Sports good, columnist, sports writer. And, uh, and there's a, there's... I'd be lying if I said I wasn't watching baseball in class. Nick Schultz, who is a, a rising star in the profession. Our guy, Nick Schultz, covers... Loyola for the student newspaper there, the Loyola Phoenix. I have to keep pinching myself <laughs> and asking if this is real. I cannot believe this is happening. I'm a poor, starving college student, so I would say I was physically here, but I wouldn't say I was mentally here. Good Sunday morning. Welcome in to the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm your host, Nick Schultz, here with you until noon on this Bears-less Sunday. The Bears are at the bye week. React to that as you will. You can celebrate not having to watch the Bears, or you can be missing the Bears. But either way, there's no Bears football today, but there's still a ton to talk about. It was a very busy week in Chicago sports. It was so busy that I actually did a separate podcast the other day about the resignation of Theo Epstein from the Cubs as Executive Vice President of Baseball Operations. Yeah, that happened this week. And about the Bears game, because the Bears once again laid an egg. So if you want to hear my full thoughts on that, check out the podcast. It's on the Sunday Sports Shootout feed for now. I'm probably going to set up a separate feed in the not-too-distant future, because I want to do more in podcasting instead of just this one hour on Sundays. So go check out the podcast for that. But the big news that we're talking about today is the NBA draft, because the Bulls drafted Patrick Williams out of Florida State at number four, and I'm sure I'm one of the many who had never heard of Patrick Williams until a few days before the draft, if not the day of the draft. But I really like this pick now that I'm watching film and looking at the numbers, and I think the Bulls took a big swing, and that's what you had to do with an early pick like that. And I have a very special guest who I talked to yesterday morning about that pick. More on that in a minute. Also, free agent frenzy going on in the NBA. Absolute pandemonium for NBA free agency. It's so awesome. I'll briefly talk about that because the Bulls made a minor move. Not really anything big. Actually, they made a couple minor moves. And I'll talk about all that in the second half hour. And obviously, as I said, the Bears are on a bye week. But I do have a hot take that I'll share in probably the last 15 minutes, depending on how long I talk about everything else. I have a hot take I want to share regarding one Matt Nagy. And I'm, I'm sure it's kind of an unpopular opinion, but I'll tell you why I think it. Speaking of football, how about Northwestern yesterday? Yeah, how about Northwestern? The fighting Reese Davises, huh? Yeah, they did pretty well, didn't they? Beating Wisconsin 17-7. to That was great. And Illinois beat, beat Nebraska. I didn't think I'd be saying that. But Illinois beat Nebraska. So a lot of good college football talk. And on the college basketball side, not a lot of good news there because... Loyola went on pause. They shut down last week due to COVID tests, and there's actually a soundbite from Porter Moser that I'll play later. And then three days after that, DePaul announced they were going on pause because of COVID tests. And last night it came out that Northwestern had been paused, but an update from my guy Kevin Sweeney up there said they'd shut down a while ago. It's not like they just shut down yesterday. So the college basketball season is set to start Wednesday, the 25th, which I love college basketball season. I'm so excited. But Loyola, DePaul, and Northwestern will not be playing to start, and I don't think Southern Illinois will be either. There's a lot of COVID issues, and that soundbite from Porter Moser is really interesting, and I will play that in the last 30 minutes, but I do want to get to our very special guest this week. Chuck Swirsky was kind enough to take some time yesterday to talk about the NBA draft. He is the radio voice of the Bulls on 670 The Score, and honestly, he's one of the nicest guys in Chicago media. 
like you don't find much nicer guys than Chuck Swirsky. And you even follow him on Twitter. He's got motivational messages. He's an all-around great human being. And he's very, very good at what he does. And I was really glad he could spare 20 minutes yesterday morning to talk about the drafting of Patrick Williams and talk about the offseason for the Bulls because this has been an offseason to change. And he's had a front-row seat to it all. So I'll shut up. Here is my interview with Chuck Swirsky yesterday. It's the Sunday Sports Shootout here on WLUW 88.7 FM. I'm Nick Schultz, and I am very excited to welcome in Chuck Swirsky, the radio play-by-play man for the Bulls alongside Bill Wennington during every game. And he did a whole show on draft night. And that's a big topic of discussion here is the Bulls drafting of Patrick Williams. And Chuck, thank you so much for taking the time. I'm really happy you could be here. How are you doing? I'm doing well. You know what, Nick? I'm going to share a story with you. When I first came to Chicago, I was invited to come on the school's radio station. And the guy who gave me an interview, um, and we talked, and he was a student by the name of Brian Wheeler. Uh And Brian went on to become an NBA announcer with um, Sacramento and Seattle and Portland. And um, it is amazing that, um, you know, when I was doing DePaul, then he was doing Loyola. And trust me when I say this, the rivalry between the Blue Demons and the Ramblers in the 80s was extremely intense, super intense. You had Ray Meyer, Joey Meyer, Gene Sullivan. And I mean, it was ferocious. It really was. Yeah, I've heard the stories, and I mean, you go back to even now Frederick Hughes on the Loyola end, and those oh, yeah. guys, those guys were those guys were awesome. Uh, Frederick Hughes was a great college player, and uh, some of the best memories I had about Frederick is that he would take a game and he would just demoralize the opponents because he was strong. He could get to the rim. He had a nice mid-range jumper, and as we know, he was a first-round pick in the NBA. He was. Yeah, he was one of the one of the last Loyola players to play in the NBA until Milton Doyle a few years ago. Yep. Yeah. But speaking of players playing in the NBA, uh, the Bulls took Patrick Williams, number four overall, in this week's draft. I'm sure my reaction was similar to many on Bulls Twitter in that I don't know who he is. So I'm just going to start right out, Chuck. Who is Patrick Williams? Well, he's a high school kid um, from North Carolina, heavily recruited, Nick. I mean, he was a five-star recruit. Everybody wanted him. And one thing about, um, you know, as I saw Patrick play, remember this was a deep Florida State team. This is the the mojo, so to speak, of the head coach, Leonard Hamilton. He plays a lot of guys, and he was fourth out of a 10-man rotation. Think about this, Nick, 10 men in a rotation, and he was fourth in minutes played as a freshman. And, I mean, everyone knows he's athletic. I mean, like, the guy is off the charts athletic. Not like you. I mean, you're you're cut above Patrick Williams. I get that. But I'm talking about, like, super freak athletic where he can just play above the rim. I mean, he's got these long arms, big hands, and, you know, he is going to grow into this position. And Florida State, And the great thing where this game is going with the NBA is where it's become a positionless league. Well, Florida State plays that way. And if you follow ACC basketball, you know that Florida State, uh, the type of kid they recruit, if you can't play defense for Leonard Hamilton, you're not playing. And, you know, they may recruit you as a four- and five-star guy, but let me tell you what. Once you sign on the dotted line, once you step into the gym on the first day of practice, he doesn't care whether you're four, five, two, a walk-on, whatever. If you don't buy in and play defense the way he wants you to, you're sitting on the bench. But I think it's a great pickup uh, because everyone knew the first three picks in in no particular order. Was it going to be Ball? Was it going to be Edwards? Was it going to be Wiseman? Uh, you know, Whatever the case may be. But then the Bulls with the fourth pick. And I know a number of teams tried to trade up to get somewhere around five, six. And the Bulls probably, I'm sure, teams called them and said, what are you doing at four? You want to slip back? 
And they said, absolutely not. We want this kid. Yeah, I didn't really hear his name much, to be honest with you. I mean, I listened to the radio pretty much every day, and I didn't really hear Patrick Williams' name until around, I think it was draft day was the first day I really heard it, heard some rumors the day before. Do you think maybe if the NCAA tournament happened, and I know with COVID and everything, I, I wish it happened, but I understand why it didn't. Do you think maybe he'd have been a little more visible in that NCAA tournament if they'd have played it? Here's the story about the NCAA tournament is that uh, it's almost like filling out a bracket. We People know nothing about SF Austin. Or a few years ago, they knew nothing about Loyola. Then all of a sudden, you know, it becomes a great story. Loyola, who are these kids? They're winning at the buzzer. They're going great. And all of a sudden, these players become bigger than life. Now, scouts who are, are around gyms, around practices, or at games in November and January, who see Florida State or Loyola, or you know, let's even forget about the top 25 schools. These scouts go everywhere. So listen, Patrick Williams was on the radar for a long time, probably even you know, with high school tape, with AU tape. So him coming into the lottery was no surprise. He was gonna be a lottery pick regardless of whether or not he was on somebody's radar as a fan the last couple, three weeks, or even five days leading to the draft. They knew what Patrick Williams was all about. So the fact that he was picked this high, it really doesn't surprise me because teams now have got to have versatility. Teams have got to have athleticism and teams want character. And you can check the box on all three with this kid. Now, have you had the chance to talk to him at all? I know you were busy on draft night. I, I have not met him. I have not spoken to him. I'm anxious to get to know him, but in this COVID world, that may have to wait a while because, as you know, things are changing. And, and even perhaps one day, maybe if vaccine is around, things will kind of get back to normal, whatever normal is going to look like. So, But there will be a time where I have a chance to meet him, and then I'll have an opportunity to get to know him. So now going back to him as a player, obviously the narrative on social media and on like the sports pundits, as I'll put it, I guess, was that the Bulls took a chance on this kid. He's got a high upside. He was considered a raw talent. Well, Arturis Karnaschovas kind of pushed back on that, said he wasn't a raw talent. And with Karnaschovas in town and Billy Donovan as coach, what role do you see Patrick Williams playing and how do you see him developing? Well, I, I think the operative word here is developing. And, and I think the Bulls have really done a fantastic job in the offseason, Nick, uh, increasing the amount of um, player development coaches. I mean, re realistically, honestly, we had one, and that was Sean Resford. Uh, now that staff has grown, and it had to grow. Because right now, if you get a kid like Patrick Williams, who by no stretch of the imagination is a finished product. He's 19, second youngest player in the draft. You're going to get a kid who's going to learn a lot about himself and a lot about his strengths. He's going to polish his weaknesses, and you use that staff to coach him up. So, um, you know, I understand where our tourist was coming from because whenever you hear the word project or He's raw. To me, the first thing I hear that is, well, you know, the guy is like, you know, on a scale of one to 10, with 10 being the highest, a project or somebody that's raw is like a three or four. And that's not the case. This, this kid is, is the NBA ready? Yes, he will play NBA minutes. To what extent that's up to Billy Donovan, but it's not like they're getting a kid who just picked up a basketball a year and a half ago. I mean, this kid has been a gym rat for a long time, but like all young players, they're going to, they're going to learn the game. This is a different world here. We're talking about than um, ACC basketball is as, as competitive as the ACC is. It's light years behind the NBA. These are men. Now, when you come in to the NBA, they are big and they're strong and they're fast. And you know what? He'll get it. The green light bulb will go on 
and everything will be fine. And you know, people are going to have to be patient. But athletically, he is NBA ready. And he will pick up the sport and the game itself with the nuances of the game and the tricks of the trade, so to speak, as the more experience comes into play. So it sounds like Bulls fans should really be excited about him. Absolutely. Here, here's the reason why they should be excited. They got a player that is going to be here a long time. They got a player that's going to be a rotation player that will add to what they already have. And they're going to get a competitive guy who brings it every single night, who's coachable and who has character. That's what I'm excited about because there, I think there are certain players right now in the draft, Nick, that were taken in that you know 5 to 11 range where I think they've already hit their ceiling. And that's not bad because they're good players. But, you know, when if somebody hits a ceiling at 21, 22 years old, or let's say they, they go maybe and hit the ceiling their second year in the league, well, that tells me this player is going to have to make adjustments, major adjustments, as their career uh, develops into an increasing uh, volume of years. And because, you know, once you hit that ceiling, it's really, really difficult to make that next jump. Um, so in this case, Patrick Williams, I mean, he, his ceiling is as high as you, you want it to go. I mean, once his offensive game comes into play, because I think defensively he can switch already. He's got the athleticism to do a lot of things. Even if he gets beat on the first bounce off the dribble, he can recover quickly. So uh, those are, you know, I saw a lot of tape of him. His ball denial is superb. He, he's just a really smart player. Talking with Chuck Swirsky here, the radio voice of the Bulls on 670, the score about the, uh, the NBA draft. And I feel like we could talk about the NBA draft as a whole all day. But I do want to talk a little more about the front office because seeing them take a swing on a guy like Patrick Williams, it sounded like I listened to Arturis's interviews with ESPN 1000 and 670, the score. Sounded like he was locked in on it from the start. So what do you think this pick says about the front office and the new trajectory they want to take? Well, what it tells me, Nick, is they want versatility. They want players who um, can play multiple positions. They want on both ends of the floor. And I think that they're going after players who can defend on the ball defense, um, which is not easy in this league. This is a very skilled, gifted sport. You get to this level, Nick, at the NBA level, and these players are here for a reason because they're really, really good. And it's hard to guard one-on-one -on -one in this league. you got to stay in front of them, and it's easier said than done. I get that. But this kid is just – it's one day where they draft. They're going to continue to add on. Uh, but you can see the vision right now who – what our tourists and what Mark want in a player, and that's athleticism, strength, tenacity, um, the ability to um, adapt and make changes along the way. And, you know, I, I just think that when we look back at this draft, you're going to have some teams above the Bulls in the top three, and they're going to say, wow, I wish I would have picked him. That vision that you talk about with the front office, it can kind of come into shape now that free agency started. Free agency was nuts last night. I saw your, you gave a shout out to Woj and Shams for their work. I mean, they were, they were all over everything last night. Yeah. Well, you know what, Nick, they, they have an Intel and they're real tight with agents and they're real tight with a lot of people in the front office of teams. And they have built up the trust uh, for a lot of people in this league and more power to them. And what happens is agents will call and say, we just signed a player. And trust me, agents have egos too. They want to get their name out there that they just signed a player to a, a four-year, $80 million deal or, you know, big money. Or, hey, I just got 
a fringe player who's probably going to be maybe the eighth, ninth player coming off the bench, but I just gave him $8 million a year. So all this is all this is part of the game, and it is a game. It's a game within the game. And that's why, you know, as you mentioned, on Friday night at 6 p.m. Eastern time, when free agency began, and it just started clicking, clicking, clicking. It was like unbelievable. You know, my wife Ann was saying, you know, Charlie, what, what, I mean, like you're locked into this. What, and I said, you would not believe, you know, <laughs> what Plumley got. He got three years, 25 million with the Pistons. And then all of a sudden, you know, these, all these signings were taking place. And it was like, Dwight Howard says he's come back to Lakers. No, he's going to Philly. And that was, was so just, was so crazy to follow. <laughs> you know, where's yeah. Trevor Reason today? He's only been with like 3,000 teams in a day and a half. <laughs> He's getting bounced around. Oh, my gosh. Well, you know, Shams is a Loyola guy, right? I know that. Yeah, he was a senior when I was a freshman, to give you an idea. <laughs> yeah, how about that? Well, good for him. Back to the vision for Connor Chauvis and Eversweet. Like, I keep saying, you got to trust him. And I think, I think they're going about it the right way. Yeah. And, you know, you can see, again, we still have a long way to go. And, you know, even though we have training camp coming up in in a period of two and a half, three weeks or whatever, um, you know, there is no panic button right now with our tourists uh, because I I do think that he has a plan and he's not going to rush into things. He's not going to make some big splash to win the press conference. Um, I think he wants to ascertain and look at the team on the floor for a year. I mean, listen, if he's offered a, a package he can't refuse, he's going to pull the trigger on the deal. I get that. That's his job. That's every, every general manager and vice president of basketball operations job. You have to listen, period. I, I totally understand that. But I also think he's coming in. He's seen a lot of tape. But watching tape is one thing, and optics – on a, on a blank canvas is another. And what I believe is going to happen is that he's going to look and he's going to take his time and he's going to see players. He's going to evaluate players during the course of the season. And then he's probably going to decide, okay, here's how I want to mold this ball club. And then he'll make the appropriate changes. But um, I do like what I, I, I like what he says and I like his vision, and I like the fact that he has made significant changes in the front office and the style and the particular foundation that he's creating. Um, and every everything has a purpose, whether it's Patrick Williams, whether it's stashing the the seven footer from Serbia, whether it's you know picking up Garrett Temple on a one year deal for different layers. That why we're going to use him. So all these things, very important. And I think what I like most about him is you, you see what he's doing and he's very methodical, but you listen to him talk about it. He's the exact same way. He takes you through everything step by step. And I love how methodical he is. Yes, exactly. You know, he's a guy that actually thinks before he speaks, you know, and, yeah, it is good. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, and so, listen, you know, I think everyone, there's a, um, if, if we look when Derrick Rose came to Chicago in 2008, for the first three and a half years before he got hurt, I mean, there was such a great bulls buzz. And then, of course, you know, we went through some very difficult seasons, period. Um, but I... I think there's a, a changing vibe among Bulls fans right now. They're willing to give this new front office a chance. They brought in Billy Donovan. You know, this guy's a proven winner. It's not like some guy that had one good year and then kind of had three so-so years and a bad year and we're recycling a coach. Billy Donovan can coach. I mean, you know, he he was an outstanding player of Providence. And, and, you know, Rick Pitino, when he was the head coach of the Knicks, who coached him at Providence, basically brought him in, even though he was a rookie with the Knicks. Billy Donovan, I could already tell, 
was just absorbing so much about the NBA game. And then he went to Marshall, one year at Marshall, fantastic job. Florida, everyone knows what he did in Florida, two back-to-back championships. And, you know, for five years, I thought did a terrific job with Oklahoma City because that Oklahoma City situation with big names, you know, leaving and then what are we going to do here? They make a trade. All of a sudden, Chris Paul is in, Westbrook is out. And I thought Billy Donovan probably did his best coaching job with Oklahoma City this past year. My last question for you, Chuck, and thanks again for the time. How excited are you for this year? Well, I'm excited. Well, my wife's excited because I'll be out of the house. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you think you think I'm laughing? <laughs> um, oh so, no, I got gotcha. you. No. But but it's all good. You know what? I'm excited because I want to. I I want to see this team. Number one, I want to see basketball, but I want to see the Bulls play. I want to see them play on the floor. I want to find out what they have. Because, you know, you only get a sample size when, with Carter and Marketen on the floor and Zach Levine and Otto Porter and whoever's going to play the point. I mean, and by the way, the kid Dotson out of Kansas is really good. I'm just letting you know that they signed him to a two-way. He's really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, Nick, uh, I just want to see this team on the floor. And I can't wait for the day where the United Center, where we have 20,000 people back there and people are going crazy about the Bulls. Yeah, I'm hoping that day comes sooner than later. It'd be great to have the fans back in the stands because I know I'm excited about Bulls basketball for the first time in a while. Like, Well, this excited about Bulls yep. basketball for the yep. first time in a while. And I'm with you, though. I've been living at home since March. My parents want me out of the house sooner than later. Yes, they so. probably do. I'm right there with you. We have been talking with Chuck Swirsky. Chuck, thank you again for coming on. This was a lot of fun. Nick, my pleasure. Thank you. That was Chuck Swirsky. And again, thanks to Chuck for the time. That was a a really great conversation I had with him yesterday. So we did that yesterday morning. And I also didn't realize this when I talked to him yesterday, but today is November 22nd. Well, on this date in 1987... A guy in a Max Headroom mask cut into WTTW and WGN, and Chuck's name actually came up during whatever that was. And he even tweeted, he has no idea where it came from and how his name came up. And I, if I'd have realized the date, I would have asked him about that. Because if you haven't seen it, or if you want to watch it again, like it's on YouTube. It is one of the craziest stories in, in Chicago media history, maybe in Chicago history, because I never found the guy. But Chuck's name came up during that when he was at WGN in 1987. But a lot of really, really good stuff in there, and I'm really glad he could spare the time because, like he said, Patrick Williams has a really, really high upside. And I didn't ask him about Devon Dotson just for time's sake, but Devon Dotson out of Kansas – that kid's got game two. He's, he's signed to a two-way deal, and what I could see happening, I don't know if anyone saw or if anyone knows the story of Fred Van Vliet, how he went undrafted out of Wichita State and ended up going on to be part of the Raptors. They brought him out as an undrafted free agent. Uh, he just got a four-year, $85 million contract yesterday in free agency. So just saying that could be a path he could take is the, the Fred Van Vliet-like path. I don't want to compare him to Fred Van Vliet. But kind of that path of going undrafted, taking uh, betting on himself and seeing what happens. And I thought Chuck had some really good insights to the front office, too, because this is an offseason to change. It's a breath of fresh air to hearing that Arturis wasn't going to meet the media until after the draft was over because they want to take each and every call instead of, okay, we had the 44th pick, we're done, let's, let's talk to the media. No, he waited till the draft was over to talk. And that speaks to who he is. He's... He's not going to leave any stone unturned. And that interview with Chuck is up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. I'll post that. I'll tweet it out in about a half hour once the show is over, but it's already there. If you missed anything, go check it out on the interviews feed for the Sunday Sports Shootout podcast. I will post the full show probably 12.30 this afternoon. I want to remind you as we reach the bottom of the hour, you're listening to WLUW 88.7 FM, broadcasting from the campus of Loyola University. A couple more Bulls notes. 
Uh, Bulls did get in on the free agency action, signing Garrett Temple to a one-year, $5 million deal. And I know he's not, like, the sexiest name in the world. You don't hear his name and think, okay, Bulls are going to the playoffs. This guy's going to lead him to the playoffs. That's not what this signing is. It's to bring in veteran leadership and kind of help bring in a mentor for these young guys. Because the Bulls are still a young team. People forget that. They're still a very young team. So bringing in a guy like Garrett Temple who's been around for a while, maybe he can pass on some of those lessons to those younger guys. And maybe they can take the take those lessons with them in the playoffs. Granted, it's a one-year deal. It's not like they're signing – it's not like they're when the Cubs signed John Lester, like a veteran who can contribute big time. Like he's he's going to be a role player, but he's going to be value, more valuable in the room. As much as I hate that phrase, it works well here. He's very valuable in the locker room. And that's what that signing is. I saw people reacting like, oh, I don't understand these moves. And it was just Bulls Twitter being Bulls Twitter. No, there's a reason for it. Like Chuck and I said, Arturis has a reason for everything. And that's the reason for this signing. Also, Denzel Valentine is back. He took the qualifying offer. So he's coming back to the Bulls. And that's a really good thing. Because I really I really think Denzel suffered from... Jim Boyle and his coach because Jim didn't really want to play him, it seemed like. And I, I'll say it, I don't think Denzel Valentine's a bad player at all because when he got in, he contributed. And he contributed big. Granted, it was garbage time, but he contributed. And I think he can still perform at a decent level. Now with Billy Donovan and his coach, hopefully he can develop better. Like, everyone talks about Denzel being a bust. I'm not ready to say that yet. And plus, there's a Loyola connection there. His brother, Drew, is on Porter Moser's staff at Loyola as an assistant coach. Speaking of Loyola, they were one of three Chicago college programs to shut down this week. Well, Chicago area programs, I still say it. Evanston's not Chicago. But Northwestern, it came out last night, has been shut down due to COVID. And DePaul did so on Thursday, and Loyola last Monday. And... It does speak to the times we're in, because as I said at the start of the show, college basketball is supposed to start on Wednesday. Well, Loyola's not going to be able to play. DePaul's not going to be able to play. Northwestern's not going to be able to play. I saw as, as the interview with Chuck was playing, Florida shut down. So you got programs that aren't going to be able to start on Wednesday. So it's going to be great that college basketball's back, but you got to remember the reality we're in in that not everyone's going to be able to start right away and I'll be very curious to see how non-conference if they do non-conference goes I do know let me find the release here the Missouri Valley Conference just staying on the Loyola side here uh, they came out this week and basically said it's going to be kind of a weekend deal in that uh, teams will play on weekends back-to-backs let me find the release here or Cliff Notes version of it. This is the one thing when you're doing a show on your own. It's hard to look things up on the fly, but I promise I'll get it. But they're going to do a lot of travel partners, and it's going to be a unique conference schedule because usually the conference schedule goes, okay, you got a game on, let's say, Tuesday or Wednesday, sometimes Thursday if you can get prime time, and then Saturday, Sunday, repeat. Well, now this year... It's going to be Saturday, Sundays, back-to-backs at the same site. And the official schedule is going to come out in a few weeks. But that came out this week about what the Missouri Valley is going to do. So that impacts, since we're Loyola's radio station, and I'm a Loyola alumnus, I figured, you know, may as well talk a little Loyola basketball. Speaking of the Ramblers, so Porter Moser went on courtside with Seth Greenberg and Dan Dockich this week. It's a podcast from ESPN. And... The episode dropped a few days ago, a couple days ago, and I do, before I get to the clip, I do want to give a special shout out to my guys at the Loyola Phoenix, my old publication. They were all over this. When news came out Monday that Loyola was shutting down by Wednesday, Kyle Brown, one of the sports editors over there, he, uh, he was an assistant sports editor under me last year, and he's one of my better friends, he reported that a majority of the Loyola men's basketball team had tested positive for COVID and forced the shutdown. And this is where we bring in the clip from Porter Moser on courtside because Porter did this interview. 
from isolation because he was one of the positive tests. And it's a three-minute clip of the interview he did with Seth Greenberg and Dan Dockage. And I just want you to listen. He goes in-depth as to how all of this unfolded. It was, it was pretty bad. It was like, so uh, it was all hell kind of broke loose. Like, we've been going for 16 weeks. We got back. You know, the NCAA said you could practice July 20th. We came back the 10th, quarantined, and started right then and have been going every week. We did, like, small pods for the first week of just all fundamentals. And then after about three weeks, because our guy's been sitting out already for four months, like, coach, we want to get after it. So we went to one pod. We went to one pod, and uh, we went every week testing nothing. Like, routine, our guys were really diligent, and Chicago's been pretty hotbed for it. And 16 weeks, nothing. This uh, A Monday ago, we're getting ready to go down to practice. We test in the morning. Um, we all get emailed our phone, and all of a sudden, I'm ready to get, take the court. And my trainer says, three guys tested positive. And I'm like, oh. And then uh, all of a sudden, um, so we, we sent everyone to the room, quarantined, coaches went home, and we, then we took the PCR test just to verify that it wasn't a false positive. And then um, Wednesday, it comes back as positive. So we're trying to do the contact tracing. And Thursday, all hell broke loose. Everybody was, like, starting to feel bad. So we tested everybody again. 16 of 17 players, four of six coaches. Wow. Yeah. So it was, um, it was tough. It was tough. And, um, you know, zooming with the parents and just organizing. And thankfully, thankfully, everybody, about five, five of the guys had no symptoms. Um, a lot of the guys had, you know, chills, fever, body aches, headaches, and they got through it and they were fine. Um, for me, uh, my worst symptom was the headache. It was, it was a headache and chills and body, body ache. Those were the worst ones for me. Uh, I never got shortness of breath. None of our guys ever got shortness of breath. Um, nobody had any serious symptom um, with it. So thankfully, I know uh, people really got to go to the hospital if they have shortness of breath. And that's what I've learned through this. If you, if you have shortness of breath, go to the hospital because it can escalate quick. And um, we, we never, none of us did. None of us had any of that, and thankfully, but uh, it was um, it was it was crazy how how fast it spread. Like zero tests to everyone positive, and you know, wow. I can think of things. We did a inner squad scrimmage Saturday morning. I mean, I wear a mask every practice. I can't. I mean, I, I it's the only thing I can think of is the scrimmage. And this is what I'll say. I've said this to the Missouri Valley coaches. The only thing that I can think of is that. In practice, I'm really diligent. I, I stand 15 feet apart. Um, I wear a mask. When I draw something up, they kind of stand like 10 feet away. But we had our first inter-squad scrimmage where I was like sitting on the bench with our team and the other group was on the other side. And at a media time, I think I was just caught up and they were kind of close. This is the only thing I can think of how I got it. Is, is someone that they must have already had it because it spread through the team like wildfire. But like when I was drawing something up, and then you know how it is, you start asking your guys and you're talking and and they probably were just breathing right down on my hand. That's the only thing I could think of. Sweating, breathing hard, talking back, and, they're, and, it's, and my hand's sticking out because I'm drawing on the board, and then I might have wiped my face or something. That's the only thing I, wow. the only thing I tell coaches is, like, man, you've got to watch when you start getting these games your, your, your hand or something because it could come down on your hand. That was Porter Moser talking about the COVID positive tests that his team had at Loyola, and you, you heard it. I mean, they went from zero to everybody like that. And I thought that was a really interesting interview. And like I said, we, I heard that the majority of the team got it through the report in the Loyola Phoenix. And then I, see, I hear that interview, and it was worse than I thought. And Porter was one of them. So I did. I also have a tweet here from John Rothstein of CBS Sports. He's just a college basketball Junkie, I mean, he's everything he does is college basketball. I mean, it was election day, and he's breaking down signings during the early signing period. He's all about X amount of days till college basketball season begins and all these quotes and everything. He's, a, he's an interesting follow on Twitter. And he tweeted, let me find it, when was that? I'm, I'm, I feel like my friend Sesa out here. But... Basically, Loyola can start return to play protocols, I believe, November 27th. And he got that from Porter. And I 
don't know if he said that during the interview with Seth and Dan, but we'll see what happens here with Loyola. And again, the season will not start on Wednesday, obviously. Uh, That wipes out a couple games. Uh, There was supposed to be a multi-team event in Indianapolis with Cincinnati and Duquesne. They were going to look for one more. Obviously, now that Loyola's out, that event is just off. Loyola was also supposed to play Chicago State. That game is off because it's during the return-to-play protocol. So now Porter's looking for games, and he's even said that everyone and anyone, like, he's looking, he'll look for anybody. Well, an interesting idea here. If DePaul had to shut down his losing games, Northwestern had to shut down in his losing games, I wonder if there'd be a way for them to all make up those games somehow and get some games on the schedule. Hmm, I wonder. You know, Loyola was supposed to play DePaul this year before COVID threw the schedule out of whack. And I really and truly think Chris Collins, Porter Moser, and Dave Lato need to get together and say, hey, why don't we help each other out? Just all play each other. Now, Northwestern was not planning to play Loyola this year. DePaul was, but Loyola was not. So why don't they call in, say, I don't know, UIC, and say, hi, Luke Yaklich. This is Porter Moser, Dave Lato, Chris Collins. Why don't we have a 14 multi-team event? Keep it in a bubble. Why not? Why not try it? I've been pushing for these guys to all play one another for years now. I don't understand why they don't. Well, I do. I, I kind of have an idea, but I, I don't feel like saying it on the air. But I don't understand why you all play in the same city. Chicago's a good college basketball town when everybody's good. Why not play each other? And now you have an opportunity here. It's your thing. Was it, was it Jerry Maguire? Help me help you? Help each other out. You're seeing a lot more of the regional games. You're seeing a lot more teams play in-state rivals with COVID because they don't want you don't want to travel across the country right now. I know vaccines are coming, like you you're seeing it all over Twitter with with Pfizer and Moderna. You got vaccines coming, but for the time being, you don't want to travel across the country. So why not play in-state or even better in this case, inner city rivals. You're in the same city except Evanston. Evanston's a little north, it's a suburb, but point stands. You're in the same city. Why not play one another? And now you have that opportunity. It's right in front of you. And I guarantee you, people will want to watch. I know you're probably not going to get people in the stands. You're probably not going to get fans in the stands. But you know what? The TV ratings are going to be nuts. I know I'd watch. I'd block out my whole day to watch that. DePaul and Northwestern play each other. Let's bring in Loyola and UIC. Why not? There's an opportunity here. Take it. And I know that's the last thing we should be thinking about is how they're going to fill the games because obviously everyone needs to get healthy first. And for what it sounds like they are, which is good, means it's a serious virus. So you gotta you gotta hope everyone's healthy. That's priority number one. But priority number two, if you're a head coach, you've also got to look at okay, we've got a schedule to fill out. You it's Right, all you've got to do is reach out and grab it. You have the opportunity. It's just, I mean, I'll broker it. I don't care. Put me on a Zoom call. I'll broker a deal. Why not? Let's make a deal. I don't, put a bubble at the United Center even. You can just play at the United Center. You don't have to worry about playing at other teams' arenas. I don't see why not. If someone has a reason why these teams should not play each other to help each other out, please let me know. Because I can't find one. We'll see when the college basketball season starts in Chicago. I'm not sure when that will happen. Just with return to play protocols, etc. I know, as I said, the Missouri Valley Conference schedule is coming out soon. I think the Big East Conference schedule is out. At least in part. I'm not sure what the Big Ten's going to do. I don't know what the Horizon League's going to do. But I'm telling you, the interest is there for 
a Chicago multi-team event. If they want to bring in Chicago State, why not? Bring in a, the fifth and see if you can find a sixth team, maybe Northern Illinois. I don't know. But I'll keep pushing for it. Again, everyone's got to get healthy. It's priority number one. But priority number two, fill the schedule. And this is the way to do it. Right here. I mean, don't overthink it. it, it it's like you're in class. The answer is right in front of you. Take it. I've got 15 minutes left here, and I promise some football talk, because I do have a hot take I want to share about Matt Nagy, and I said it on my Twitter feed. So I'll get to that now, because I think I've hit everything I want to hit. And again, I'm not really talking much about the Cubs right now. Go check out my podcast that I recorded last week. About it. I recorded it and posted it on Tuesday, talking about Theo Epstein's resignation and an instant reaction to the Bears game, because that was all it was going to be. Because the Bears, once again, got embarrassed on Monday Night Football by Kirk Cousins. You know, primetime Kirk Cousins on Monday Night Football beat the Bears. Yeah, that's how bad it was. So go check out the podcast for the full reaction to Theo Epstein's resignation, which took effect Friday. Now Jed Hoyer's in charge. And I'll be very curious to hear what Jed has to say, because he wasn't doing interviews because he wanted Theo to have a, a final victory lap. So Jed will hopefully be doing some interviews this week, and I'll bring that to you hopefully next week. But Bears are on a bye week. I'm thankful that the Bears are on a bye week before Thanksgiving. Because next week is Packer week. Which, uh, I'll talk about that in a second. But they're going into Packer week. They have lost four straight. I have looked like a fool for sitting here saying, take the money and run, five and one's five and one, blah, 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 et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I look like an idiot. But I do have to give respect to Matt Nagy for giving up the play calling to Bill Lazor. I really thought it would help, at least a little bit. It did not. The second half was ugly. But what you saw in that game, the fact that Matt Nagy wasn't calling plays. I have said this the last few weeks. And if you don't believe me, go listen to the podcast. You'll hear it. Matt Nagy is not a good play caller. That's given. I mean, you've seen it the last two and a half years now. You've seen it. Now he gives up play calling, and they still look like that. I genuinely believe that as a head coach, and I'm talking the, the head coach standpoint, the, the leader of the team, the leader in the room, I, use that, I, I hate that I'm using that phrase, but it works so well here. The leader in the room, I think he's, a, I think he's good in that regard. I, I think he's a good head coach. He's not a good play caller. So, let's retrace our steps here this season. The Bears have made changes. They made a change at quarterback, going from Trubisky to Foles. <laughs> How's that worked out again? That's, that didn't work, so it wasn't the quarterback. Well, Matt Nagy gave up the play calling. A huge show of leadership here. I mean, he's even you always hear, doing what's best for the team. He did not want to do that. I, I can tell you right now, he did not want to do that, but he did. The play calling did not help against Minnesota. Although, if, if I saw one more handoff to Cordero Patterson, I was going to throw something at the TV. There are 10 other guys, actually, no, count the quarterback. There are nine other guys on that field. But you use Cordero Patterson as a running back? So play calling clearly was not the issue. So now we're down to option number three, which is personnel. The offensive line stinks, and I'm being nice because I can only say so much on the radio. They're really bad. I know they're beat up with injuries, but they were really bad before they all got hurt. And your offensive weapon, singular, is Allen Robinson, and you don't use him in the red zone? You're running him out of town. And he had a quarterback who couldn't move. Seriously, Nick Foles does not know how to use his legs. I will go out on a limb and say you can put Bill Belichick as the head coach of this team. And... Let's see, give me a play call. Let's go Eric Bieniemy as the play caller. And this team would still look bad. This is not on the coaches. This is on one Ryan Pace. And that's why, and especially if they can't beat the Packers, which seems to be the litmus test for the McCaskies, if they can't beat the Packers this year, Ryan Pace needs to be fired on the spot. I think he should be fired right now, but that's not going to happen. That's basically guaranteed he's going to stay through this year. With that in mind, 
just get rid of Ryan Pace. I say you keep Matt Nagy in place, bring in a new GM, and see what they want to do with Matt Nagy. Because I think there's something there. And you have to remember that this is his first head coaching job. There's growth. He's got to grow. There are growing pains. It's going to happen. I really think you look at Matt Nagy and you hear him talk. I mean, when you heard Mark Trestman talk in press conferences, you rolled your eyes. And I, now did he was he a mumbler? I feel like I feel like Trestman was a mumbler. Don't even get me started on how John Fox talked in press conferences. I'm focusing on, focusing on Trestman here because that's the name I keep hearing. Is that Matt Nagy is a thrift store Mark Trustman? And first of all, that's disrespectful to Matt Nagy because Mark Trustman, that was a train wreck. When you heard Trustman talk in press conferences, you, you could tell he was wishy-washy. Now, Matt Nagy's full of cliches. Every coach is. It's called coach speak for a reason. But listen to the way he talks. You hear, I mean, you, he presents himself very well. And I really and truly think that that is huge, especially in the room. He, how do, I, how do I put it? He has a presence. I feel like he's a great leader. And again, the way he talks, you hear him, he's, he, he's very well thought out with his answers. And I mean, he's, I mean, if you get him mad enough, he won't sugarcoat. And I like that. He's, he's not as wishy-washy as Trustman was. You could tell that Trustman, there was just, there was a disconnect. And I mean, I like Matt Nagy as a leader. I think Matt Nagy needs to stay as head coach when, and I'm saying when, the Bears get rid of Ryan Pace. And if you bring in a new GM, which I hope they do, be honest with them. If you want to keep Matt, keep Matt. If you want to get rid of Matt, Get rid of Matt. I would hope that they have a talk first, Nagy and the new GM, whoever it would be, to see if they're if they align. Because again, I, there's something there, and I really and truly think that Ryan Pace needs to go instead of Matt Nagy. Not them both. If you get down to it, we can start talking about Ted Phillips, but that's that's not going to happen. But start with Ryan Pace and see where it goes. You will not hear me say Matt Nagy needs to be fired. Well, not this year. I shouldn't say, never say never. This year, you will not hear me say Matt Nagy needs to be fired. I kept saying he needed to give up the play calling. He did that. Well, Bill Lazor wasn't too much of an upgrade. And if you really want to, and I would not suggest this, but if you really want to see, go watch highlights of the Vikings game. I would not suggest that. It is not for people with sensitive stomachs, but you can do it. And see that there was no major difference? Salute. The problem is your GM. The defense is elite. Top 10 defense. Your offense ranks above one team. Anyone guess? Anyone? Anyone? The New York Jets. The team that Trevor Lawrence... It, it, well, it's speculated. The team that Trevor Lawrence wants to go back to Clemson instead of play for. The Jets. You talk about a dumpster fire. That's the only team with a worse offense than the Chicago Bears. And I've said it the last few years. If your top receiver is Allen Robinson, if your only receiver is Allen Robinson, you're not going to win a lot. You need, he needs help. That, and you've got a quarterback who can't move and forces plays with his arm. At least with Trubisky in there, I, I know people shoot this down, but I really believe it. He can roll out of the pocket, and if he sees something he doesn't like, he's going to use his legs. When Foles uses his legs, it looks like Joe Biden when he was trotting out for his, was it, a, was it his victory speech? Whatever it was. A couple days after election day when he was just kind of trotting out, and then watching him slide. Okay. I will own up and say I was the worst slider on my high school baseball team. I mean, it wasn't close. I mean, every time I slid, I had some kind of bruise. It was, it was not pretty. I'm surprised I didn't break an ankle. I can slide better than Nick Foles. Every time I watch him slide, I think he's going to hurt himself. And at the end of the game, he did get hurt. And it turned out to be a hit pointer, which was the butt of a lot of jokes on Keyshawn J. Will and Zubin on ESPN Radio. So then you had Tyler Bray come in, and I don't ever want to see Tyler Bray play quarterback again. 
You know it's bad when Jeff Joniak's calling the game and going, Bray drops back and throws it to no one in particular. If Mitch is healthy next week, and I haven't heard anything saying he won't be, I know he's kind of week to week. If he's healthy, you got to start him over Nick Foles. If you start Foles again, you're going to look like you did on Monday night. And you don't want to look like that against the Green Bay Packers. I know the McCaskies absolutely hate, and I'm not even putting it, I'm putting it lightly. They hate losing to Green Bay. So if you lose to Green Bay next week, which I think you will, that'd be five straight losses, and he'll put them under 500 after a 5-1 and one start. Don't get me started on that side of it. Let's just look at a loss to the Packers. And then you play the Packers again, the last game of the season, you're probably going to lose that one too. I'm old enough to remember when a struggling team lost to the Packers twice, and next thing you know, Phil Emery was told to leave, and Mark Trustman was told to leave. They were both fired. What was it? It was... It was within a couple days, I believe. That's going to happen again. I really and I, I really hope that they see that Matt's doing the best he can with what he has, which isn't a lot. But they need the personnel. Just get rid of the offensive line. Just start fresh. Get rid of them all. Send a scout to Alabama and look at their offensive linemen. Just, just draft them all. Why not? Are they, are they all draft eligible? I don't care. Find a way to draft them. That's what needs to happen. You got And I don't want Ryan Pace picking the next quarterback. I can tell you that right now. I don't want his fingerprints on that next quarterback. I don't want him in the same room as the next quarterback. Let's take you back to when Patrick Mahomes was drafted. I, I know Bears fans love talking about this. When Matt Nagy was in Kansas City, he saw something in Patrick Mahomes. I know I'd never heard of Patrick Mahomes until a couple years ago when he started taking off. But Matt Nagy saw something in him. And then he came to the Bears, and he had to deal with Trubisky. I really think Matt Nagy can find a good quarterback. Because Trubisky was not Matt's choice. This was Ryan's choice. So whoever the Bears take as their next quarterback, I don't want Ryan Pace to have anything to do with it. And I know I'm not alone. That's what I think should happen with the Bears. Get rid of the GM. Keep the head coach until you bring in a new GM. See what they want to do. Maybe I'm too optimistic. Maybe I've got rose-colored glasses on looking at Matt Nagy. But I mean it when I say I think he's a good coach. Not a good play caller, a good coach. Big difference. Big difference. I got two minutes left. And I do want to thank again Chuck Swirsky for taking the time to talk bowls in the draft. The plan for next week... That's a good question. I'm not really sure what the plan is for next week. It's obviously Thanksgiving weekend. And if I am on the air live, it'll just be me. I'm not going to book a guest. If I decide to not come on live, I will do a replay of three interviews that I've done over the course of the year. I'm, I'm thinking it'll be replays of David Haw from The Score, Cheryl Ray Stout at WBEZ, and Chuck Swirsky. I'll play those three interviews in this time slot if I don't go live. Keep an eye on my Twitter feed, and I'll post if I'm going to be going live or not to preview Bears-Packers in prime time. The Bears are going on prime time again. It's going to be great. They're going to be a punchline once again. I can't wait. As you can tell, sports radio is going to be nuts. It's a fun time to be a Bears fan. But you know, we got the Bulls. Just think, I can't believe I'm saying that. We got the Bulls. And we got the White Sox. Both teams on the come up. Just think of it that way. Get through football season. College basketball is almost here. Get through that. And everything will be fine. With that said, I do hope everyone has a very happy and safe Thanksgiving. And I hope to talk to you next week. If I'm not on the air again, it'll be replays of interviews that I've done. And keep an eye on my Twitter feed. Also keep an eye on the podcast if I have something I have thoughts on. I will probably do a podcast. We'll see how I'm feeling, how angry I am, how happy I am. But thanks again to Chuck Swirsky. Again, that interview is already posted on the podcast feed. And the full show will be up within the next half hour or so. 
So until next time, stay safe, stay healthy, wear a mask, have a very happy and safe Thanksgiving, and I will talk to you next time. Have a great week, everybody.